0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The truth of Easter is ancient and yet ever new. Jesus is risen. This simple truth has changed everything. It spread geographically from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. It's echoed for nearly 2,000 years and changed the shape of human history. We mark all things that came before Christ with a B.C. And we mark all things since his coming with an A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. There is no other man in all of human history who has impacted the world as Jesus Christ. It's not even close. And this, because Jesus is risen. Had Jesus not risen from the tomb... He would have been remembered as an important historical figure and nothing more. He would be dead in a tomb just like every other past religious leader, philosopher, or political figure that the world has ever known. But the testimony of those who discovered the empty tomb was irrefutable. The testimony of the women, Mary and Mary Magdalene and the others, was irrefutable. The testimony of the men, Peter and John and the others, was irrefutable. The tomb was empty. The body was gone. Jesus was risen. There was nothing that Caiaphas or the Jewish leaders could say or do. There was nothing that Pilate or the Roman leaders could say or do. And for nearly 20 centuries, There has been nothing that anyone is able to say or do. Jesus is risen. It was and is irrefutable. There is not one scrap of evidence to the contrary. There is not one argument that has shaken this eyewitness testimony. There is no amount of persecution or shaming, no amount of torture or murder That has been able to silence the truth that Jesus is risen. There are certainly men who do not believe the truth because they do not want to believe. There are certainly men who don't care about the truth because the truth would change them beyond what they are willing. But the tomb is empty, Jesus is risen. While the resurrection transcends history, and in fact changes all of history, it nevertheless happens at a precise moment in history, on the first day of the week at early dawn, as Luke records. The resurrection of Jesus, then, is not a matter of mystical experience for a select few. It is a matter of history and fact to be received by all. And while the tomb is certainly empty, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ shows himself to be risen. First, to Mary Magdalene, who falls onto her face and wraps his feet in her arms. Then to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, with whom he eats. After that, to the 11 remaining disciples, to whom he shows his hands that had been pierced with the Roman nails and his side that had been pierced with the Roman spear. And in the same ways, he shows himself to over 500 other eyewitnesses. So no, the resurrection of Jesus is not a matter of mystical experience. He let himself be touched by the witnesses and he ate with them. And he came also to skeptics to doubters, to persecutors of Christians who, despite themselves, could not help but believe what their eyes, ears, and hands told them. Jesus was risen. It is this simple word and irrefutable truth that comes to us today. And just as it did with the original witnesses, it ought to fill us with a sense of uncertainty and even fear. If Jesus is risen, and he is, then that changes everything. It means that what most people think this world is and is about is completely wrong. And it means that everything Jesus said is completely true. It means a radical reorientation of our perception and a radical reorientation of our lives. It means that death itself and the power of death is but an illusion. It means that even though we die, yet shall we live, indeed, forever. And at the center of it all, it means that the gospel is true. Now fear and uncertainty give way to joy. Jesus is risen, and therefore Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of God, who has come not to condemn the world, but that the world might live through him. He is the good shepherd, who takes not the lives of his sheep, but lays down his own life for them. He is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. It means also that he has come in the way of his sermons as the one who searches for the lost sheep, as the one who sweeps for the fallen coin, as the one who loves both the sinful son and the self-righteous son and welcomes them both to the feast. He and all of heaven rejoice over each and every sinner who repents. He is the sower who scatters the seed of his word to all, though some receive it and some receive it not. He is the king who throws a banquet and invites all, from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. He is the vine dresser who spares the fruitless tree. He is the good Samaritan who saves even the one who hates him. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And he knows well what that means. He knows well who he is inviting. In fact, he says that he came not for the well, but only for the sick. For the human heart is, in truth, desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, sick unto death. Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, and internet history, theft and fudging on taxes, murder and social media rage, adultery and LGBT Nazism, coveting and consumerism, wickedness and deceit, often under the very guise of Christianity, sensuality while others are starving, envy and Instagram egotism, slander and the outrage of moral superiority, pride, and usually for all the wrong reasons, and foolishness that this dead and dying world deems sophisticated, woke, and wise. All these evils come from within. And in one form or another, they come from your heart and mine. The Dalai Lama says you must not lose faith in humanity. The Bible says faith in humanity is the first thing you must lose. Beginning with faith in yourself. For only when you have lost faith in yourself can you have faith in Jesus. Only when you know you are sick will you gladly receive the one who comes with God's forgiveness and healing. Jesus' love for sinners, his love for us, is shown precisely in this. That he does not wait for us to clean ourselves up or heal ourselves or make ourselves worthy to come to Him. Rather, He comes to us as we are and calls us His friends. He forgives us and treats us as though we were righteous in His sight, precisely because we are righteous in His sight. He does not hold our sins against us, but most astonishingly, He takes them as His own. This is the amazing love of God in Christ Jesus, of which countless scriptures speak. 1 Peter 2 says, He bore our sins in his body on the tree. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hebrews 7 says, He sacrificed for sin once for all when he offered up himself. And Romans 4 says, He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and was raised to life for our justification. 1 John 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only but also for for the whole world. Romans 8 says, There is, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And in John 6, once more, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. These scriptures and countless more testify as one. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Your sins are forgiven. God is reconciled unto you. Be reconciled unto God. Jesus is risen, and he is risen for this purpose, to be our merciful high priest. The scriptures also call him the pastor and bishop of our souls. That means that he knows your weaknesses, He knows your sins. He knows that you have been hurt. He knows that you have been sinned against. He knows how you have hurt others, and how others have left you feeling empty and all alone. He knows your sorrows and what has broken your heart. He knows your doubts and your fears. He says, come unto me. Ye weary, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, and I will forgive your sins. Come unto me, and I will heal your soul. Receive the waters of my baptism that wash away all your sins. Receive my word and my absolution. Eat the bread that is my body and drink the cup that is my blood. I will renew in you a right spirit and create in you a clean heart. Jesus is risen, and he has chosen you. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So rejoice this Easter with the entire family of God, a family of forgiven sinners who gather every Sunday around our risen Lord Jesus is risen, and it is not only the church that sings his praise, but all of creation preaches him and praises his holy name. The setting of the sun and its rising preach his death and resurrection to you every day. The seasons of fall and winter giving way to spring and summer preach his death and resurrection to you every year. And his death and his resurrection are the proof of his love for you. The mountains and hills do indeed sing of Mount Calvary, where God gave his life for us. The trees of the field do indeed clap their hands, for on the tree of the cross God shed his blood for us. In desert hearts, the water of life now flows. In barren souls... Faith, hope, and love blossom forth. Sin has been undone. Death has been swallowed up by life. The serpent's head is under our Savior's heel, for Jesus is risen. How we must pity all who reject Him in hatred, and how we must weep for all who reject Him in apathy. And how we must urge them in love and argue with them in love and preach Christ and his forgiveness to them over and over again in love and pray for them in love. For there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Therefore, let all sinners bow before our Savior. Let all the graves prepare to open. Let all the powers of darkness flee from his holy face. For Jesus is risen, he is coming, and all things shall be made new. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.